You doing good? Did you get your coat out yet? Yeah, this morning it was like a little frost on the window even on the car. That was kind of, kind of crazy. I didn't expect that, but I guess it's that time of year. But we are in this series. I almost felt guilty uh, in looking at just, there's only a few weeks left in this series, but it's like we're looking at everybody who did something bad. And it's like, I almost felt guilty, like, man, we are just, we're handpicking all the bad people in the Bible. But uh, the reason it's good is because we're learning from their lives. And I think that's a really healthy thing because we need to be learning constantly some of the behaviors that we do not want to have in our lives. And today's a pretty heavy-duty message. Uh, I've been praying a lot for this weekend because it's a very serious topic. It's, it's around this guy named Judas. Now, I, I never like to assume that, that everyone in our church, some of you are brand new and following the Lord. You've never even owned a Bible. We give a lot of Bibles out. That One of those stats we talked about is how many first-time Bibles we give out to people who have never had one. It's amazing. So you may not know who Judas is, but um, he started out really good. And ended really bad. So here's the question that I want to just throw out there to, to, to set the tone. Have you ever done something in a bad way or a negative way that you never thought you would ever do? Now don't dwell there too long. Okay? And don't poke someone and remind them. Okay? I remember, I remember one time, I have a very uh, um, even temperament. My, my kids, my wife, they would all tell you that I, I'm my... I don't have like a big anger threshold or a low time. I'm pretty kind of steady. And, but I, I remember in high school, one of the times that I did something I never thought I would do was after a football game, something really bad had happened, and I was very disappointed. I was angry. I was frustrated. And we were in the locker room, and I just, I just punched the locker door. And I, and I realized then that I would never do that again, ever, in my life. And it did not hurt the locker, just so you know. And I, I look at that and I think, if I would have taken just another few seconds to think through that, it was, it was just a reaction, not a response. And, and what was I thinking? What was I doing? I think that's exactly what's happening to Judas. He's, he's asking the question, how did I end up here? Because he had good intentions. He, he made some really good decisions with his life. He's a follower of Jesus. So I want us to look at him today and, and look at some of the emotional stuff that kind of come with all of this. So number one, if, if you have a program, just follow along, is just the question, who is Judas? Just, just from a, a Bible perspective, if you don't know who he is, let me just give you two or three uh, pieces of who he is. He's one of the 12 disciples. If you don't know what a disciple is, there were 12 guys that Jesus pulled close to him during his three years of ministry on the earth. These guys traveled with him. They camped out together. They uh, healed people together. They were witnesses of the, the intimacy the, uh, the, in the life of Jesus. They knew his, his coming and going and all the details of his life. And, and really took on Jesus as their Messiah, their rabbi, their teacher. And so Judas was one of those 12. I mean, this is an elite group. This is truly a group that now 2,000 years later, we'd say disciples and people who aren't even believers know what we mean when we say disciples. So he's in that status. 
he's also has a very unique role among the disciples. Anybody want to guess what it was? He was the treasurer. So, so here you have a guy who's one of the 12, and he also is trusted with the money bag. Now, I don't know about you, but I doubt very much that if you don't trust a, a, someone, you're not going to give them your money to hang on to, right? So here's what I want you to see. The, 11, the other 11 did not see something in Judas that created a red flag. They didn't see something in him where they go, oh, don't give the money to Judas. They didn't know he was going to betray Jesus. I think they were stunned that it was Judas who did this. So our filter now is tainted because all of our knowings of him is after the fact. So if you, if you can undo that for a minute and go on a little journey with me to say, how did he get there? What happened in his life to put him there? And the second thing in your outline is this. What is going on in his mind? What is going on in his mind? Now, I'm not going to write very many things up here today, but I want to put a few key words up here as we walk through. Because this right here, that, that is just where everything is when it comes to decision-making and long-term winning in your spiritual walk with God. In your mind. It all starts in your mind. So, so, so here's what I want to read. I'm going to read to you the worst part of Judas. This is at the end of his life. Remember, there's three years of ministry with Jesus before this is written. This is at the end of Matthew. It's in chapter 26, verse 14. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? Shocking. I guarantee you, he never thought those words would come out of his mouth. And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Wow. This is what's going on in his brain. From that moment forward, he's, he's viewing every day with a filter of, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give up Jesus. I'm going to make sure this happens. I, I think the mind is where all this stuff takes place first. It, it's kind of why, why scriptures are very important, like Paul when he writes the church in Philippi. Philippians 4.8. How many of you have heard of that? I mean, it's just a great passage. And it says, brothers and sisters, a final thing. Fix your thoughts it's like glue them here on, on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is pure, on what is right and lovely and admirable. And he says, think on these things. Why does he say that? He says that because our natural tendency is to go to the negative side of the column. The disgust, the disdain, the resentment. The good, the bad, and the ugly. All of a sudden, my brain wants to go to that instead of dwelling on lists like this. Judas is caught one time in Scripture with a little bit of insight into his brain. It happens at a home where a lady pulls out a perfume box and she breaks this ointment that's really expensive. You guys remember this story? And the fragrance, it says, filled the whole room. And it was like a, a year's wages. So 
she's worshiping Jesus with this, and, and one of the disciples, guess who? <laughs> Judas, says to Jesus, this is ridiculous. This, this could have been sold and the money given to the poor. So we see right here, Jesus actually corrected him, and he said, Judas, I'm only here for a short time. It's appropriate that she's doing that. You know why? Because she was seeing the Messiah right there in that moment. He was seeing the value of the money and how it could help someone else. He did not get the big picture. Matter of fact, I'm not sure he ever really did. I think that was part of his problem was he couldn't get his emotional, he couldn't get that stability emotionally to come across and, and let the correction of Jesus actually mean something to him. You guys, so often in our lives, when we go against the will, the plan, the word, the truth in the Bible about God, it, it puts us in a very vulnerable place in the way our mind starts to function. Let me, let me do it this way. Okay, I just want to draw a dot up here. I know I can't probably fill it in all the way, but I'm, I'm trying to. Okay, so just, just assume that this is all, all filled in and everything. Now, some people have a label like that on their emotional stability and their life and their psyche. And they do not believe they can change. If I said to you, I want, I want you to just come up here. Anyone can, can try this. Come up here and I want you to move this dot, this dot, over to right here. Could you do that? No, you can't erase it and draw a new one. No, this dot. Can you move? Just, I, I was using this illustration last night in our Saturday night service. And after church, I had the scientist from CSU come up and say, I, I have six ways you could move that dot. On the board. So there's this metabolical tape you could put on there and you could move it over there. You could take a, a, a saw and you could cut it out and you could move it over there. And I, I, I'm not kidding. He did not hear one more word of my sermon, any of last night. So don't take it that far right now, okay? Just go with me on this, okay? What I'm trying to illustrate here is that some people have different chemical reactions in their brain, their body, and their emotional psyche that they can't just listen to a song, don't worry, be happy, and live that out. Oh, don't worry, be happy. Oh, okay. I won't worry anymore. No, the dot's still there. I can try to do happy things. I can try to smile. I can fake it. But why do I still feel like this? Why do I still believe that I'm ugly? Why do I still believe that I'm fat or that I'm too skinny or that I'm poor or that I'm rejected or I'm insecure? Why is that so real to me? You can tell me for 20 minutes screaming in my face that that's a lie, but I don't believe you because I know what mark has been on my psychological setup in my life. Man. You still with me? This is hard. This is hard because if you don't deal with this, if you're one of those people that can just stop and not worry and be happy, then you don't have a lot of tolerance for people who are genuinely trying much harder than you are to overcome depression, to overcome discouragement, to not let their mind run away with them. But it's not that easy. 
And so I just need to say that because I'm going to say some other things later that, are, that weave into all of this. So what are the steps that I see in the, in the betrayal of, of Jesus, okay? First of all, he was one of the 12. And I've mentioned that, but the, the little other words there are he had access to Jesus. This is a big part of the story. Because I believe this really did empower him because he had something that they didn't. And, and so it's like, man, all of a sudden, he's in the know. He's special. He's one of the 12. And I would like to just propose to you that you typically will not be tempted much unless you have access to fulfill that temptation. You know, if you work around products in a manufacturing company, you might be tempted to find a way to steal a few nice things. Happens all the time. And you might never be caught because you have access to something and it's before it's coded. It's before it goes through. It's before, it, you know, all the. If you have access to cash somewhere in your workplace, you might be tempted to steal cash because you have access. If you're never in either of those environments, then you're not even going to be tempted. That's why stuff like pornography has become a huge threat to our culture because it's so accessible now. It didn't used to be that accessible. Our kids, our teenagers, it's just crazy right now. Those of you that are raising kids, ask the question, what do they have access to that would not be good for them? Because access is what creates temptation. If you're never in a relationship and you're in solitary confinement, you're not going to be tempted to be mean to somebody. <laughs> Right? If you're not married, you're not going to have marriage problems. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> Be careful the things you give yourself access to. Number two, he went to the leading priest. Not only did he have access to Jesus, but now he takes an action step. This is not them coming to him. We, we read the scripture. He went to them. I, I, I would like it much better if in the Bible it said the leading priest came to Judas and said, hey, we want to have a, a chat with Jesus. Uh, can you just set us up some evening wherever he is? And then he not know, you know? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll be with him tonight. Um, yeah, just come, and come, to, come here. No, he went to them and said, how much are you going to give me if I, if I set this up? So he's pursuing this. Something happened to Judas. I don't know what it was. But I know that he was wrongly pursuing things that he should not have been pursuing. And that's a big key for us in our learning lesson today. Number three, he was motivated by money and power. It, you know, the big three, sex, money, and power, are kind of what takes people out all the time in our world. Money and power in this story is, is a big part of the story 30 pieces of silver was not much money in that culture, so I think it was boiling down more to the power side. And I think it's a little bit of he felt empowered. It's kind of like this. I know where Jesus is. You don't. So you need me. I have all the power. I think there was a feeling. It's amazing what people do who are insecure to feel powerful. I mean, it's amazing when you think about our world. I, I don't know how much detail I'll tell you here, but our, our youngest daughter had her car stolen, and, and it was, it's been a mess. But we, they found the car like 21 days later, and, 
and it was just a total mess, and it was impounded, and so we had to go get the car. So we, so Brookie and I, we go into this this place. I won't even say where, but anyway, we go in to get the car, and and there, there's 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 nobody there. We've got our paperwork they told us to bring, and it's just these these two windows, and and two people sitting at the windows, and so I. I walked up to one of the windows, and the person behind the window went. I said, excuse me? I said, okay. She said, read the sign. So I, take a number. I'll call you when I'm ready. Go sit down. There's nobody else in here. <sighs> Brooke and I were trying not to giggle. I mean, <laughs> and, then, and then about three or four minutes goes by and it's 78. couldn't believe it. What happens to people when they have a little power? I don't know. I don't get it. But Judas liked being in control. Number four, he started looking for a way to betray Jesus. He started looking. He was pursuing. That's what Scripture actually says. It's a quote. He started looking for a way to do this. This is a mind thing. I love that Scripture that says as a as, as you think in your heart, as a man thinks in his heart, that's who he is. So is he. And, and boy, that's just so true about the mind and the power of the mind with what's going on there. So i got to keep moving. Number three, Jesus faces kind of the reality of pain and disappointment. Let's get off of Judas just for a second and look at what's happening in the story in these next few verses. Because this is one of the saddest days in Jesus' life. Worse than the physical pain of crucifixion is the emotional pain of betrayal. Some of you know that firsthand. There's nothing like that. And, it, and some of you, you, you haven't even fully recovered. I get that. We're human. Some of these battles, these scars stay with us in this life forever. Yeah, God helps us and we, we make it through it, but, but we still remember and we know the pain and it does impact the rest of our lives. So we can't make light of that. This is one of those moments. Number Verse 20. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve disciples. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? He replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you have said it. What a, what a terrible, devastating moment in this moment. When I think of the betrayal in our culture, and I think of the pain of it, you guys, I just want to say, by the grace of God, we continue on. Amen? By the grace of God, we continue on in our lives and we trust God daily for the strength to just move forward in our relationships. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm one of those that likes to say what, what I learned from this. What, how does it change my Monday or Tuesday? So what can I learn from Judas? I have three things here that are just quick and easy, but I hope you can make applications somewhere in your life. Number one is just tackle temptation right when it starts. Tackle temptation right when it starts. This, this idea, whatever it is, whatever you're being tempted, if you know it's evil, if you know it's wrong, deal with it right then. Like shock yourself like, I can't believe I'm just being tempted for that. So, so I'm, I'm looking at the pattern of my mind from the pattern of my mind. I'm getting ahead of it. You know, if I said, here, catch this. You know, have you ever heard, had someone throw you a ball and say, think fast? <laughs> you thought I was going to throw that, didn't you? <laughs> think fast. That's what I'm talking about with temptation. Is think fast. The ramifications. Pay attention. Put this in your mind. Take it seriously. Number two, seek to understand your own emotional needs. Seek to understand your own emotional needs. Now, this, this is a little tough, but I have to take it there. because Do you guys know how Judas died? Suicide. He hung himself. He lost hope. And I, I just... I want to address this. I've gone back to the Colorado newspaper with stats from 2016 and 17, and you can look at a lot of different years, but Larimer County, Larimer County is about double the suicides of the average in America. And I read these stats and I go, how can that be? I mean, do you like where you live? I love this place. I can't even imagine. So it's not the beauty of our state. It's not, what is it? There's, there's something that's causing people to, to go into this mind issue and they can't shake this dot. And there's lots of potential reasons why that I had a list I'm not even going to read because it's, it's mindless. But there's tons of reasons you may have opinions about this. But the point is, it's not okay. It's not okay. And it's not okay with us as a church who believes that God calls his kids sons and daughters. And, and I just, I just want to say what causes people to lose heart and get depressed and, and to go to a place where they, they can't shake this. It's bigger than them. And it's an illness. I, I would just... I would challenge you if you're living in that loneliness to just put something on a connection card today and let us collect it. We'll call you. You put your, your number on there. We'll call you. But we can't live with ourselves knowing that you're sitting among us and you're not winning this battle. And I want to give you three ways you can help win the battle. That's my last point. Number three is understand that there's always a way out. And I'm not just making this up. This is not just happy, clappy stuff to make you feel good about yourself. There's three things you need to know that can help you overcome the serious hole of depression and the, the temptation of suicide. Number one is God. It is God. It starts with God. God is the God of hope. God is the one who named you. He knew you in your mother's womb. He understands your genetic code. He understands the chemistry of your, your body. And he loves you. The second one is others. It might be family. It might be people you're with today. 
It might be people you work with, but you have got to talk to somebody about these feelings that are going on in your life. You have to. Get the strength from God to expose this because once you expose it, help can be offered to you. But you can do this. I believe it with all my heart. Talk to someone that has love and respect and a sense of forgiveness and understanding with you. You haven't done anything wrong. The the third one is just as important, and I don't want to minimize this, and I'm criticized sometimes for talking about this, but it's medical attention. You got a lot of Christians in the world, just, well, just pray about it. You don't need to see a doctor. I don't believe that's true. You know, if you have a broken arm, you can't just say, oh, God, can you just take care of my arm for me? Because God's going to say, well, why don't you go get a cast? Let's do that. If you have a chemical imbalance in your body and in your life and you need, I'm talking about good, qualified medical attention. I have pastor friends that I believe that medical attention has saved their life. I want that for you. So I'm serious about it. Please let us help you get the help that you need because your life matters. It matters to God and it matters to us. You are wonderfully and beautifully created by God. And only God can help you with the dot. I want to tell you one last thing, and I'm all done. I'm going to draw something up here. I want to see if you can guess what this is. What does it look like? Parentheses. When you read Scripture, because it's all after the fact, especially in the King James Version, how I grew up, every time the name of Judas is mentioned, there's a parentheses behind his name. Anybody want to guess what it says? It says, the one who betrayed Jesus. For 2,000 years, those are the parentheses of his life. Here's what I'm asking you. What is stated in the parentheses after your name? Because we all have something. They're always late. <laughs> They never feel well. They're joyful. They're fun to be around. We all have something in our parentheses. And and I just want to leave you with this. God has something in mind for your parentheses as well. I would love for you to take this next week. Don't try to do it now because it's a heavy deal. Put some parentheses in your page and put in what you hope is said. Because it's others who will put the parentheses after your name, not you. It's others by how you have lived and what you have shown. And I want those parentheses to be the statement that God has intended when you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this moment. We want to get this right. And we need you to be big in this room right now and in the South Auditorium with those who have joined us there to to show up in a way that's powerful and real. Lord, show my brothers and sisters who might be under the sound of my voice right now who are just in a battle over this stuff. 
that they need you, they need people, and they need medical attention possibly. Help us, Lord, to get this right. I want to pray over some of you who would just say, God's talking to me about some things going on in my world right now. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but I'm just going to give you the opportunity. Sometimes it's good for us to break the silence and go, yeah, that's me. And I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up and put it right back down. I'm not even looking for them. It's just for you, not me. So if you say, I want to be included in that prayer, I'm dealing with stuff like this. Just put it up and back down right now. And then I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. Lord, we as a church gather around brothers and sisters that we love, and we know this is not an easy battle, but you are a great God and a big God, and you are capable. So in this moment, we ask you to do the miraculous, to begin the work that the Spirit can do, and then give the encouragement and the boldness, just the sheer courage to talk to someone about what's going on, and give us wisdom and help in every way that we need it. Lord, if there's someone in this room, if you're here today and you don't know God at all, maybe you're not connected to Jesus, maybe you've never asked Jesus to take control of your life, would you right now just say something like this with me? Lord, I need you. I need you to cleanse my heart, my life, my mind. I want you to take over my life. I, I submit to you and I give myself to you. Forgive me and cleanse me for my own doing, my own sin. I trust in you that you're the Son of God and you took my sin on that cross. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray all these things. Amen. <laughs> Amen.